Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Wow, it's just a, a wonderful gathering tonight, and we're thankful that we're able to continue this fall series, Things That Truly Matter. You matter, right? You're here, and uh, visitors, you matter as well. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Scotty, Scotty's here, and where's Celine? Celine's here. Well, that's great. And uh, we're so very thankful to have Scotty here, and he's going to be speaking to us tonight about the cross of Jesus. Scotty was the uh, pulpit minister of the Masson Lake Road for 16 and a half years, and then they and Meridianville merged, and so he's been there for almost a year. And I was uh, had the occasion to be over there a couple of weeks ago to speak, and got to see all the people there, and they just love Scotty and Celine so very much, and they fit so well, and they were doing a great work over there, and so we love them. They're no strangers to uh, West Huntsville. He's been here. Celine's been here many times. And uh, we're, we're so glad that they're here. Of course, they have uh, four children, and uh, they've been married 34 years. So uh, that is wonderful. Things that truly matter. The cross of Christ. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Well, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. In that old rugged cross stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For t'was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. To that old rugged cross I will ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away. For his glo- where his glory forever I'll share. So, I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. And I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 is going to be our text that we're going to launch from this evening as we think about the cross of Christ, something that truly, truly matters. Galatians 6, beginning at verse 14, tells us, But God forbid that I should boast or glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For... In Christ Jesus, 
neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. When you go back and you look at the context of that sentence that we just read, those couple of verses that we just read, you'll see a little earlier, a few verses back, that there is concern in the minds of people who came from a Jewish background into Christianity concerning those who are coming from a Gentile background into Christianity. And this discussion about physical circumcision had entered into all of the aspects of Christianity and was upsetting some people and causing a lot of difficulties. Through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says, that doesn't matter. That's, that's not something that truly matters. Here's what truly matters. The cross of Christ. Because in Christ, circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything. But it is being a new creation because of the cross of Christ. And when you look at the text and, and, and we read it again, and we think about some of the things that are said here, here's the directions that we want to take in thinking about glorying in the cross. First of all, from, from this text and some other supporting scriptures along the course of our lesson tonight, we're going to see that it truly matters because of the purpose of the cross. Secondly, we will see that it really matters because of the power of the cross. And third, we will see that it truly matters because of the person of the cross. And as we look at our text once again in Galatians 6, we'll see that the cross truly matters because of the purpose of the cross. The apostle again writes, God forbid, strong language that he uses here, God forbid, it's absolutely unthinkable that I should boast or I should glory in anything except what? The cross of Jesus Christ. And why? He says, through this cross, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, because of the cross of Christ, and the next verse says that the result is a new creation, much like 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, where it says all things in Christ are new, uh, are a new creation, are newly created. But because of that, There has been a crucifixion not only of Christ on that cross, but I am crucified to the world and the world to me. In other words, when we understand the purpose under this first point, the purpose of the cross, we see that one of the purposes of the cross and the purpose of the cross in this text tells us is to disconnect the relationship we've had with the world. You know, uh, that expression that sometimes is used, you're dead to me. That's what we're to say to the world because of the cross. There is no relationship that exists any longer between me and the world. The world is dead to me. I have been crucified to it and it to me. This is the purpose. The cross represents that separation of my life from the world. And now that life that I have is in Christ. Because now in Christ, what truly matters is not if I came from a a Jewish background or a Gentile background or whatever it may be, but that I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. I am new in Christ. And, and, And again, as you look at that text, we have to understand 
that the purpose here ultimately is telling us about being a new creation, a, a, a new creature, is that we are Christians. Because when we understand what the cross of Christ represents, when we understand the purpose of the cross, is not about our, our physical makeup or our physical background or whatever may be done to our body physically as they talked about circumcision or, or the lack of circumcision. But it has to do with what has happened in my heart. Because in my heart I have believed that Jesus Christ who died on that cross is indeed the Son of God. And because I have believed that he is the Son of God, I have submitted to him as my Lord and my Master. And I have made the decision to turn away from sin. That's what the Bible calls repentance. I've had a change of heart that leads to a change of life and a change of behavior. And then I have been immersed in the name of Jesus Christ to have those sins of mine washed away. Because the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 concerning Jesus to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Where was the blood of Jesus Christ shed? At the cross. That's what truly matters. And when Jesus Christ's blood was shed at the cross, it was shed to wash us from our sins. When we hear and we believe and we obey and we faithfully follow, we are becoming part of that purpose of the church the church that Acts chapter 20, verse 28 tells us Jesus did what? Purchased with what? His own blood. Where was that blood shed? The cross. You see, the purpose was to establish the church. The purpose was to clean us from our sins. The purpose was to make us his own, clean and pure washed in his blood, part of the church. God forbid, God forbid, it's unthinkable that we should ever boast or glory in anything concerning our salvation, concerning our Christianity, concerning our membership in the body of Christ, except in the cross. But secondly, the Bible also talks about the power of the cross. We've already kind of thought about that in regard to the blood that was shed there has the power to forgive our sins. But let's think for just a few moments here about the power of the cross. And I would invite you to turn to another text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you would... Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and look at that text for just a moment, beginning at verse 18. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, we learn a little more about the cross and we learn a little more about the glorying in the cross and that it's the only thing that we can glory in because it's the only thing that truly matters. But once again, we see the power of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 and following. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power, the message of the cross, to those of us who are being saved. It is the power of God. For it is written, 
I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So as we think about the cross truly being something that matters because of the power that it has, obviously from this text it is filled and it abounds with the reinforcement of that idea that in the cross, in the preaching of the cross, in the preaching of Christ in him crucified, we find the power of God. That's not the way the world views it. That's exactly what the text is saying there in that culture of that day and time. He talked about the Jews and he talked about the Greeks and the different things they were seeking. And we can talk about our culture and think about our culture today. And we can think about all the different things that different people are seeking that make sense to them, that are understandable completely and solely by the human mind and have no dynamic or element of faith to them. But it is the power of the crucified Lord that is the ultimate answer. It is the power of Christ and him crucified. The world views that as foolishness. The world views preaching about the cross as foolishness. These are strong words when we think about it. This is an indictment against the mindset of the world regarding what we regard as sacred, regarding what we know is truly important, regarding what we know truly matters. The world doesn't care. It doesn't matter to the world. The world says, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. The world says, that's foolish. The world says, only a fool would believe that. We go back to our text. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who believe, it is the power of God. And that's reinforced in verse 18. And then you'll notice in the last verse of our reading that Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, wraps itself around in our verses that we read in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 24. Begins with the power of God and ends with the power of God. And it's all about Christ crucified. That being the subject of the preaching. Because it is the power that enables us to know God really exists. It is the power that enables us to know that God can forgive us and will save us. A little later in another one of his books, Romans chapter 1, this same apostle will write, again, under the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Romans 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. As we think about 
the gospel, and we think about power, and we think about Christ crucified, we see how they all wrap together in these scriptures. And so the purpose, number one, and the power of the cross are found in the fact that this is where the saving gospel is preached. This is how it's developed. This is how it's taught. This is how we learn how to be saved. Through the cross of Christ. Christ. And the preaching of Christ crucified is the power of God. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Who ever heard of the gospel without a cross? Again, the world would say, that's foolish. Again, the world would say, that doesn't make any sense. Again, the world would say, that doesn't compute from my human thinking. That's because it's not human thinking, it's God thinking. And God has given us clearly through the cross his message of our salvation. It is only through the preaching of the cross and Christ crucified do we find what Christ has done for us where his blood was shed and the power of God unto salvation in the gospel can resonate in our heart to grow our our faith to help us move along the way from being lost to being saved. That is the power of the cross. That is the purpose of the cross, to get us from being lost to being saved. There's nothing else that can do that. There's nothing else you, you can invent There's nothing else you can can digest. There's nothing else you can buy. There's nothing else you can believe that will do that. But because of the cross of Jesus and Christ and him crucified, we find the power of the gospel. And we find the blood of Jesus that washes us from our sins. So, things that truly matter, the the cross of Christ matters because, number one, of its purpose. The cross of Christ really matters, number two, uh, because of its power. But now, third, let's spend a few moments and let's think about the person of the cross. The cross truly matters because of the person of the cross. Perhaps you're familiar with the lyrics to another song about the cross that were written a few years ago in which it begins with the idea that it was a life full of aimless desperation. Without hope dwelt the shell of a man. Then a hand with a nail print stretched outward. Just one touch and a new life began. And the old rugged cross made the difference. In a life full of heartache and defeat, I will praise him forever and ever for the cross made the difference in me. That's the person of the cross. Again, when we look at our, uh, our New Testament, we want to turn and think for just a moment 
about the person of the cross in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You may already be there from reading in chapter 1. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, again, the Apostle Paul says to the Christians at Corinth and to you and me today, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If we ask the Apostle Paul, is the cross something that truly matters? He's answered the question, hasn't he? I determined not to know anything among you but Christ and him crucified. Why is it so important? Why is it so vital? Why is the person of the cross, why is Jesus Christ so important in our thoughts on this particular subject, the cross of Christ and why it truly matters? If you would, turn back in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 12 for a moment, and listen to the words of Jesus himself. No better person to answer this question we are asking than Jesus himself. Jesus himself can tell us, uh, as the person of the cross, why it truly matters. And when we look at John chapter 12, uh, I would call your attention as we begin reading at verse 27. And in verse 27, the text tells us that Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. The hour is identified by Jesus as his death. The hour that Jesus talks about ultimately makes our mind think of the cross. It takes us to the cross. All throughout the Gospel of John, particularly, Jesus has made the statement numerous times, my hour has not yet come, or it's said about Jesus that his hour had not yet been fulfilled or his hour had not yet come. What does Jesus say now? This is just a short amount of time prior to the crucifixion, just a few days. And Jesus says, it's time. The person of the cross says, the hour is here. And as he says that, and we look at our text once again, he says, this is distressing to me. My soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, this is the person of the cross speaking. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it, said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up, will draw all men unto me. This he said, the next verse tells us, signifying by what death he would die. What is Jesus talking about when he says 
that the Father would be glorified. What is Jesus talking about that as the time is now here and the hour has come that the ruler of the world will be cast out? And what is, what is Jesus talking about when in, in this prayer asking for God's name to be glorified and that the judgment would all take place and the culmination of God's divine plan to save you and me from our sins would, would finally be fulfilled? And he says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be lifted up. The person of the cross. I'm going to be lifted up. And through that, I will draw all men unto me. Again, this is not the way the world operates. This is not the way the world thinks. Only God could cause something as horrific as the cross to be the means of our salvation, to be the answer to where the hopelessness we find ourselves in is finally solved and resolved for our eternity. If I be lifted up, Jesus says, I will draw all men unto me. The person of the cross, the person that that we read in 1 Corinthians 2, I I, I determined not to know anything except what? Christ and him crucified. Why? Because when he was lifted up and the power of God and the purpose of God was fulfilled in the person of the cross, he can now draw all men unto him. The cross, as repulsive as it is and foolish as it is to most of the world, for you and me, has a great drawing power. Because the cross is where Jesus took my sins. I should have been there. You should have been there. My sins... Your sins should have put us on the cross. We were the ones that should have been judged. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was totally innocent. But by the great, overwhelming, incomprehensible love of God, Jesus said in order to justify the punishment that sin deserves, I will take the sin of my creation and I will place it on my son, on myself. And I, through Jesus, will take what you and I deserve. And I will die the death that man should have died. That is the depth to which God loves us. That is why Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Because it is there on that cross knowing why 
he is on that cross knowing that it is my sin that put him, that nails did not keep Jesus on the cross. Mankind did not keep Jesus on the cross. Love. Love for our souls kept Jesus on the cross. And the person of the cross, Jesus, is there drawing us to him. Because of his love. Because he wants each and every one of us to be saved. That's why I determined to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Salvation. There is no other way but through the cross. Without the cross... Without what the person of the cross, Jesus, did for us there, there is no hope. There is no comfort. There is no future. But when we think about the cross and we think about what Jesus did for us there, suddenly our whole life can change. If you would, turn to Philippians chapter 3 for just a moment, and let's read one more passage from Philippians chapter 3 regarding the attitude of the Apostle Paul, but again, I know it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but how this message can come to you and me today, and how this message can communicate our attitude, what our attitude ought to be today. As you look at Philippians chapter 3, if you would... um, Let's see, am I, Philippians, oh, if I get to the right book, it would help. Philippians 3, verse uh, 7. But what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed. I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, that I may know him the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You see what the text says there? Do you see what verse 10 says to us? He talks about the resurrection. Well, before the resurrection, what did there have to be? A death. Before the resurrection... There was the cross. And then to further drive that home, really, you look twice, it's emphasized again in verse 10. The fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his death. This is the person of the cross that we're talking about. And here the Apostle Paul, an inspired man, a man who wrote Scripture, 
a man who is deeply a spiritually a spiritual giant, but he says, I want to know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings to be conformed to his death. This is what I want to know. I want to have a relationship with him because of the cross, that relationship from Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, remember we read, between me and the world is now severed. I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me, but I live to Christ. Now, the book of Galatians is full of references to the cross. In fact, when you, when you go back and you look at Galatians, you, you'll see that there are numerous references in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, one that we're probably very familiar with. I've been crucified with Christ, and yet it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 13, it says in a quotation from the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. There's a reference to the cross in that. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 11, the last part of that verse says, then the offense of the cross has ceased. And in verse 24 of Galatians chapter 5, we're reminded again that those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then, of course, our text that we started with in Galatians 6, verses 14 and 15. The book of Galatians, Paul cannot get away from talking about the cross. And consequently, he cannot get away from talking about the person of the cross, the power of the cross, the purpose of the cross. And in Philippians 3... He says what I think is on the heart of each and every one of us. I want to know him. That I may know him. That I may know more about his resurrection. That I may know more about the fellowship of his suffering. And that I may know more and be conformed more to his death. Because Jesus died for me. And Jesus said in his ministry that we must take up our cross and follow him. Lord, I'm here and ready to be a disciple. I'm ready to take my cross and follow you. First, I want to thank you for doing everything that you have for me. I know it wasn't easy, and hearing all about it really boggles my mind. It only makes sense that after all you've gone through and all you've done, that there might be some expectations of me if I'm going to be a disciple. Like I said, I'm here, and I'm ready. I'm ready to take up my cross. But before I get too far along here, I do have a question. Is this the only cross there is? I mean, it's so large, huge. Do you have something more along the line of a beginner's level size? Understand that it doesn't need to be so small that I forget about it or lose it, or no one else can see it. But does it come maybe in a medium? A medium cross. That will work 
just great, I think. And as long as I'm at it, what about the texture? I know your cross was wooden and rough, but do you have anything with a more contemporary feel? I don't know, maybe in gold? If that's too fancy or showy, do you have one in silver? Bronze? Brushed aluminum? That surely wouldn't be too showy. Why, almost no one would notice it at all. Especially if it was a medium, or slightly smaller. Why, I could keep it in my pocket and only get it out when absolutely necessary. One more thing, Lord. I mean, as long as I've got your attention. Regardless of what material it's made of, could at least it be less rough? You know, softer. How about some padding? I think that surely that would make this whole taking up your cross business a lot easier to handle. Don't you agree? A padded cross. That's what I need. That would be just perfect, Lord. A padded cross. Lord, can I get one of these, one of those? Lord? Lord? Now, where do you suppose he went? We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.